Welcome to the Cyber Nation Uncensored Podcast. We welcome all Chumbas, Edge Runners, Vault Dwellers, Wastelanders, Spice Traders, and Space Folders. Thanks for joining us. Please give us a great review and also be sure to join us on both YouTube and Twitch. We'd love to see you on a live stream. Thanks again. See you soon. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. to another episode of Tales from the Four Lone Dopes. I am your host, Cyber Smiley. I am Wisdom000, and uh, yeah, we have a great episode today again. Yeah, I think we're going to forego our usually uh, rants of what's in the media and cyberpunk news to really introduce uh, our, our wonderful guest, Mr. Benjamin Wright. Hello there. Hello. Benjamin is just prolific uh, in the cyberpunk franchise. He wrote and edited just countless books. Um, so for everybody joining in, this is a real treat. It is. Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we really appreciate the time. Um, so first off, I would just want to... we. Um, we're, we're trying a new format with uh, all our guests is we're going to have uh, a bunch of questions quick surveys give a quick answer um to these questions N there is no wrong or right answer except for one of the questions so hopefully you'll, you'll <laughs> score the the right answer on those so first question uh -oh. 2020 2045 or 2077 I mean, 2020 for me. Okay. What's your favorite role? Uh, it's the toss-up between Netrunner and Fixer. Okay. Favorite cyberware? Yeah. Uh, favorite cyberware is probably um, uh, maybe the, uh, the, the hand with the switchable fingers. Nice. Oh, favorite yeah, weapon. I believe that. Yeah. <laughs> favorite weapon? Um, favorite weapon is probably the, uh, the old Sternmeyer M95. Nice. Mm. <clears throat> and That's I, a beauty. 
I have a feeling I know what this answer is going to be. Favorite Cyberpunk Red or 2020 book? Uh, Includes the ones you've written. So I was going to say. <laughs> um, I mean, I have the greatest fondness for Wildside since that's that's my book. But I, uh, I, I mean, objectively speaking, I'd probably have to say like Chromebook One. Or maybe Chromebook 2. One of the early Chromebooks. <clears throat> Least favorite Cyberpunk Red or 2020 book? I was really disappointed in um, Euro Tour. Okay. Yeah? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, we can get into that further, but yeah. we will. For, for now, <laughs> let's carry on. <laughs> okay. Pan Am, Judy, or Rogue? Oh, boy. Um, and I know you're I not a player, Rogue. but you've you've seen them, so hopefully. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, I've seen them. I'd go with Rogue. Lucy, Rebe mean, yeah. Lucy Rebecca, or Kiwi? I mean, I've got, I've, I've, I've got to go with Lucy. Okay. Carrie, I hope that was the one I got wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's no. Lucy's really the best choice, I think, of that. Rebecca's cute and she's fun, but yeah. What I'm yeah, dying to know is: are those are those battle gloves or are those cyber hands that are crazy big? I mean, I can't imagine anyone would give themselves hands that wouldn't let them, you know, perform everyday tasks or hold a gun let's, like i don't know how she fires the let, let's stay on subject <laughs> like, no way. yeah, yeah we're, we're, we're deviating <laughs> all right all right carry river or uh goro uh oof. uh river okay uh mm. david main or pillar got a soft spot for like the uh you know every man protagonist i gotta go with david okay Favorite Night City gang? Um, well, I, I, I could say the Bozos, um, and I think I'm going to go with the Bozos. All right. I knew you would say. Favorite Megacorp? Um, does Raven Microside count as a Megacorp? Absolutely. Yes. It's, that on, and that's who I'd say. All right. Uh, favorite cyberpunk movie? I mean, Blade Runner is my favorite movie, period. So, Amen. <laughs> favorite cyberpunk fictional character? And this doesn't oh, have okay. to be 2020 or Red. It can be any fictional character. That is a tall order. This is one I've never thought about. So... I'm going to uh, just. I'm just. I'm just going to pull one out of my butt. The Dixie Flatline. Okay, from her, that's Neuromancer. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That is not the answer I would have ever expected anyone yeah. to say, but that's a cool character. Yes. Gibson, Dix, or Stevenson. That's actually a really good question because they've all written books I've loved and books that I've found terminally boring. So, <laughs> yeah. and they all do it very, very differently. They sure do. I have to go with Gibson. Okay. 
Favorite cyberpunk novel? Uh, Neuromancer. Although, I have another novel that we have to talk about. All right. Sounds Not okay. Say that. And the last question is Cyber or Shadowrun Cyberpunk? Shadowrun. Is Shadowrun Cyberpunk? Uh, yes, and? It's Cyberpunk. And you got it wrong, man. That was the only question you could have got right. I knew you were going to I knew you were going to tell me to say no, but it is cyberpunk. It's just that it's also fantasy poured like some kind of gelatinous slime all over cyberpunk. It's it's cyberpunk adjacent. Right. So I mean, so, so if you have a salad that's swimming in dressing, is it salad or is it dressing soup? <laughs> My opinion, <laughs> it's, it's dressing soup. Look, I, I have no great love for Shadowrun. I mean, I think it's you know you, you can't you can't deny that it's been successful and long lived. Very and true. People like it, but I I would say yes, it's cyberpunk, but it's cyberpunk and it's cyber it's it's cyberpunk. It's it's not diluted. It's it's oversaturated. It's like yeah. cyberpunk is enough already. You don't need. <laughs> you don't need well, yeah. I, I see it differently. I see it. Dungeon and Dragons and right. Fair point. That is a that is a good point. That's an interesting way of putting it. Because I, I mean, I'm a little had, biased. Yeah, and I've had I have friends, gamer friends, who will not play anything that does not have fantasy races. Like, and and I always call them like you, the game has to have elves or dragons or something. Um, Shadowrun provides the crutch that you know those guys need to get into science fiction. Yes, I, I actually it's interesting. This reminds me of two different things. One is I may be a little bit biased about whether it's cyberpunk or not because one of the better times that I had uh, was uh, back in college. I ran a bunch of my friends through a Shadowrun supplement where I pulled out all of the fantasy elements and changed them to Cyberpunk 2020 elements. Nice. <laughs> so like, there mean, was a, there's a dragon that shows up, and I just replaced it with an AV-4 that was firing incendiary <laughs> grenades. Nice. As, as much crap as we give Shadowrun, the truth is is that there were great concepts in there. The art was fantastic. Hell, they had Tim Truman working for it. Yep. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. My but only problem yeah, with Shadowrun is, and is dragons it, and blah, it blah, overshadowed blah. Cyberpunk, right? As oh, I feel the same way. I, I hate that it I did mean, that. Yeah, once you add magic into that setting, it it takes away the edge. Yeah, it makes it pointless. Yeah. yeah. So, but I, this, this, this is the thing about fantasy, is that I feel like fantasy has a powerful appeal because it's more liberated. Yeah, you can do anything. Yep. Exactly. You can do anything, and, and plus, especially in like you know, medieval old school fantasy, not set in a modern city, it's like you can get away with so much more. Law law enforcement is so like spotty and inconsistent and bad, and it's so chaotic. And like you can kill someone and dump the body in the forest, and nobody will ever know. Like it's a lot easier to do just about anything, and yes. you can do. Fantasy anything. is the cheat code for any morality tale you want to tell. For sure. So I, I just want to have our listeners and viewers and anyone who pays attention to us, just to give um, Ben his, his credit, as it were. Um, 
He is known to be an article writer for Solo Fortune 2. Uh, mm-hmm. He did the layout for Eurosos Plus. He mm-hmm. did rewrites and additions to Edge Runner Incorporated. Um, mm-hmm. He you were an editor writer for Firestorm, uh, both books. Mm-hmm. Both books. <clears throat> you did the layout for Land of the Free. Uh, you yep. were a writer contributor to Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads. You were yes. a play tester for Maximum Metal. Um, you mm, were yes. a commentary commentary for Neo Tribes. Not sure what kind of credit that is, but we'll get into I'm that. I'm not sure either. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, you did the layout for Pac Ren. Okay, well, go ahead. You did uh, the, the layout for Pac Ren. Yep, yes. The, the layout for Rough Guide to the UK. You were the, yeah. one of the writers for the Wild Side. Primary yeah. writer. I mean, yeah. Yep. You were a writer for the Chromebooks. You were one of them, yeah. a writer for Bartmos's Brain Blowout. And mm-hmm. you did uh, work on uh, Bubblegum Crisis and the Mecton books. Very true. Did I, we there may be a couple anything? other Cyberpunk books on there. I'd probably. <laughs> I, I, would, I would basically say that, uh, you know, from sort of uh, the period of Wildside and uh, um, Land of the Free onward, I was heavily involved in just about every cyberpunk project. Okay. Yeah, your, your, your contributions to the franchise are just uncountable. They're prolific. Uh, you, were, you had the inside track. I mean, it 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 happened. I it's it was it was very lucky, and I'm really I'm I I look back very fondly on that work, and I'm, I'm pretty proud of it. And I have to say that so my top three um, cyberpunk books outside of the main book, right, are uh-huh. Night City source book. Sure, definitely. Wild Side, which oh. you were a writer on, and. Uh-huh. Uh, listen up, you the screwhead. So, you're like yeah, part of the top two of my top three list. So, it's I'm very uh, honored to talk to you about today. So, well, the honor is mine. But thank you. Okay, I gotta know who is Eric Bull. Uh, He's Eric as, as the writer alongside with Ross on Neo Tribes, and I've. Never seen his name appear anywhere. Uh, Bohm, B O was a L M E. Yeah, that's not. Is that that's not Ed Bolmy, is it? Probably. Okay. I, if it's Ed Bolmy, I know exactly who it is. Oh God! Is Ed Bolmy the the creator of Rach? Um, or am I thinking uh, of someone else? Gosh, Mitten. Oh, Rish Bartmoss is a, a, a tricky fellow. I think he... Uh, maybe. Ed Bolney is a, a real good writer, a real nice guy, a real character. I'm still friends with him on, like, on Facebook and stuff. Um, and yeah, I think I if, if my memory serves me right, I don't have any of my books right in front of me. They're in the other room. Um, I'm getting... I'm probably going to be making a big apology here in just a moment. <laughs> Go ahead. Right. He, he, uh, gosh, we spent a lot of time, me and Ed and a bunch of other people, Telsarian people, 
at um, the safe house uh, for when we were going to the Gen Cons over there um, back when it was in Wisconsin uh, in Milwaukee. Um, you guys, do you guys know the safe house? No. No. <laughs> Enlighten us. Okay, I'll start with this. So, when I started at Telsorian, um, even before I started at Telsorian, I went to uh, Gen Cons and hung out with them and stuff. And uh, that was when it was back in uh, Milwaukee. Okay. Now it's time. Before, let me just interrupt you really quick. Sure. Uh, Here comes my giant apology. It wasn't Eric. It wasn't Eric Balmy that worked on Neo Tribes. I actually am. Or Ed. Uh, I actually know who Ed is. I, I, I apologize, Ed. I'm so very sorry. Uh, Eric Oppen was, but we'll get back to that. Eric Oppen. Okay, I don't know who the hell that is. <laughs> did you Did you ask Spike? Yeah, he was like, I don't know who that is either. Like, <laughs> you wrote the book with him. How do you not know? I thought Spike wrote pretty much that whole book, but I... I mean, I think he did, too. I don't know who... Like, I've never seen Eric Oppen appear anywhere else. I don't know who the hell that is. Um, mm. I'd like to. Well, when we but... talk to uh, Derek uh, Quintanar or uh, Mike, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah or <laughs> Ackerman or somebody. It could be. It could be just a. Uh, it, it could be just a pen name for someone that's, else, but I'm. I'm not sure. That's what I'm believing is that it's somebody's pen name. Yeah. Um, so, I thought maybe it was yours. To be honest. <laughs> no, I. I. I, I uh, spoke with uh, Spike about um, Land of the Free uh, quite a bit, um, but uh, I wasn't. I wasn't. That's one of the few books I didn't really have a lot of like. Um, formative writing in okay, um, but yeah, okay. So let me let me just uh, get back to this. Story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so so um, some of your listeners will probably know about this. In Milwaukee, there is this fantastic bar called the Safe House, and it is a spy themed bar. Ooh, yeah, and it has um all sorts of great stuff to get in you have to go and give the password to the bouncer and i've never wanted to go to a bar more in my life it is a great place you you are in a little room with like bookcases and a mirror and this bouncer who you know interrogates you and if you don't have the <laughs> password the bouncer basically humiliates you for a while uh, in front of the line oh, of people awesome. who are waiting behind you until you finally get to go in. The the freaking bookcase slides and there's a secret door and you go into the bar. So it's like an old speakeasy type thing. Uh, yeah, and inside they have like James Bond and Matt Helm and all this other like spy stuff. And I, I... <laughs> it's, 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 it's fantastic. They, they have a drink called The Spy's Demise. Uh, they have all sorts of gimmicky things in the place. Uh, there's a secret exit where if you go into a phone booth in the back and punch in a code, the back of the phone booth will open and you go through a little alley and come out, come out on a different block. Hmm. It's the coolest place. I, uh, <laughs> that's naturally, in Disneyland. It is terrific. And naturally, uh, 
when Gen Con was happening in Milwaukee, lots of game people would descend on the safe house because, I mean, I mean, it's perfect for people like us. And in that place, uh, I had lots of great time drinking and laughing with the Talsorian guys, people from other companies like DreamPod9, um, fellow freelancers like Ed Bolney and, and, you know, and, and Spike and all sorts of people. Great time, wonderful memories, so many wacky jokes and lines that come out of that. Ugh. I, again, I mean, Ed, I am so sorry. <laughs> I apologize so profusely. He's coming for you. Yeah. I'll never get him on my friends list now. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll track him down. Um, so, so Ben, how did you first get into uh, tabletop role-playing games? Uh, I played original D&D back in, like, you know, grade school or middle school with my friends. We, you know, we were little kids and we'd, we'd play it and obviously we didn't pay a heck of a lot of attention to the rules. In fact, you know, we were like nerds and dweebs and dorks and geeks, so... We weren't like we, all that the gym geez. class. So what we would do is on, I went to school in New York City. Um, that's where I grew up. And uh, our school didn't have a like track of its own. So if you wanted to like go like run laps on the track, uh, we all had to like kind of troop down to uh, Riverside Drive. And there was a park there and we could run laps on the track. And like that's where there's a baseball field and stuff. And in our sweatshirts, we'd carry D20s. And we'd actually be like speak playing D and D to each other on our way to and from the track or the baseball diamond, and you just reach inside your pocket and put your thumb on a side of the D twenty, take the D twenty out and look at it. And you're like, oh, you got a fourteen, you know. Uh, and we'd even do it when we were in the outfield, like <laughs> people oh, really? are really <laughs> standing in the outfield shouting, "Okay, the trap is disarmed. What do you do next?" Yeah, I've played. Dungeon Dragons many many years and and you know again this was back when I was a kid and we would play anywhere right um, yeah I I've never heard that type of system and that's ingenious to be like <laughs> really put is. your thumb you like, just put it in your pocket put your thumb on the on the a number and just pull it out and that's the number you got because we would just like Jesus, roll on like sidewalks or. Or dirt, or wherever uh -huh. we could just <laughs> throw the die. Um, but that, I wish I'd thought of that when I was trying to run games on like long car trips. Oh yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, people oh, rolling on the and like dying. <laughs> and I, I've been on car trips where we played games, and we would like roll the dice on like you know the book that we had in the hand, and hopefully it didn't fall to, you know, off. Oh man. That sounds like a comedy sketch right yeah. there. <laughs> it's, it, it's all good until the until the guy driving has to roll dice. Then it then it gets really hairy really fast. Oh god. Well, well, what we had done is um, <laughs> the driver would be like, okay, he would just like throw in like the the cup holder and be like, tell me what it rolled. Oh, smart. That's good. Yeah. I like that. So. <laughs> and granted, he you know he had stick shift, so it's like yeah. As he's like shifting, throws the die and like, what I get? All right. And of course, he was a GM too, so it was like, listen. Oh pay, my God! Pay attention to the road. <laughs> Jeez, that's that's hazardous, man. 
I need pop-o-matic bubbles for D20s and D10s. Yeah, but when you were a teenager, you know, life was just, eh. It'll continue. Every moment you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, Pop-O-Matic D20 actually. Like, that probably exists. Like, on Etsy, if not anywhere else, I'm sure. Probably. Yeah. So, uh, how old were you when you got involved with the Artalsorian group? And how did that come about? Well, let's see here. So, I grew up in New York City. I lived there until I was, you know, about 23, 24. Um, but San Francisco always was kind of important in my life because uh, my Uncle Bill lived out here. So, um, that's where I live now, is San Francisco. So, uh, my parents, when I was a kid, you know, we'd take trips out here every now and then. And um, especially back in, like, the 70s and the 80s, the West Coast got a lot more, like, Japanese anime, uh, like, goodies than yeah. these guys did. Uh, so whenever we were here, I'm sorry. Try the Midwest. I lived in Kansas City at the time, getting it was difficult. Oh, God, yeah, I would imagine so. Um, yeah. So, uh, whenever we were here, I would like hit the local like toy stores and comic stores and things, and sort of grab random like anime related toys and books and things that I, I didn't even know what the heck they were. I was just like, this is super cool. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. And one of those times in this comic shop, uh, was a copy of Mecton. It was Mecton first edition, not the white box, but first edition Mecton. And I, I was like, holy crap, a role-playing game about Japanese giant robots. I am so into this. And so I got it, played it with my friends, absolutely loved it. So Talsorian was on my radar when Cyberpunk came out. And the 2013 edition came out in what, 88, 89? As uh, late 88, early 89, I think. Okay, so that's yeah. right when I was going to college. Uh, I so... remember seeing the ad for Cyberpunk, the original Black Box in... And America? Uh, that probably because Mike, uh, Mike, and some other people know know a lot of the people who uh, created Viz and did An America <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, the, the there was like this Animag, if you know that magazine that was made. Oh by, yeah, yeah, it was made by sort of a, com- a combination of like people who went out went on to be Talsorian people and people who went on to be uh, Animag was it? Yeah, that's that's yeah. the magazine I'm thinking of. That's the one, uh, and the people who worked on Animag either like were Talsorian people or Viz Media people, and yes, yeah. so that's the way that worked. Um, yeah, so I played it in college. I started playing it in college with my friends, um, and we just had a freaking blast with Cyberpunk. It was like because I already liked the genre, but when the game came out, that was when I was like. I'm going all in on cyberpunk. I'm going to read every cyberpunk book I can find. I'm going to watch every cyberpunk movie yeah. I can find. That's, that's that's how I was introduced to both the genre, like giving the genre a name. And uh, yeah, it was anime that got me into the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like you, I got introduced. I went to a friend's, they were going to the Kansas City Art Institute and they introduced me to cyberpunk. And I was like, holy shit, this is the anime that I love in game form. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm, I, I immediately went out and bought every book I could find. Nice. Yeah, I yeah, was actually introduced. Um, <clears throat> so I, I think I'm around your age, Ben, which mm-hmm. eh, there's some gray hairs <laughs> there. Um, a few, yeah. 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 Um, a few. So I was, I forget if I was a junior or a senior, um, but I had friends who were older and they were, they joined the service and they came back and, you know, we had a, a, a sub base where in my state, so it was like an hour and a half away. So my friend who joined the Navy brought his friend and that friend actually introduced me into cyberpunk and basically our gaming group um right into 2013 and you know just it was it was an eye-opener because you know it was D traveler uh-huh. uh paranoia Same. you know um oh, just all the all yeah all, all the fantasy crazy games and then this game was like oh yeah your girlfriend's cheating on you what are you gonna do to to the guy she's <laughs> right? seeing <laughs> and, and just that level of detail was like wow this is this is something new and and it made it more exciting because you could relate a lot more oh yeah my yeah. girlfriend's cheating on me right <laughs> um the i can, I can understand that oh i'm going to to uh, a techno bar with so yeah that that yeah. kind of what introduced me into um cyberpunk and then you know all of us kind of like broke up because again we were at college age so everyone fled but when we started coming back home right that's when we got back together and really got into cyberpunk 2020 and and started our journey with that will i don't mean to interrupt you but i'm getting a bit of static from your mic you probably i have uh I cannot stop it, but I will put myself on mute when I'm not talking. Oh, it seems like it cleared up. Uh, so yeah, I think it's uh, how I position the mic. So uh, I, I have a sense. 3D printer in the background that's on pause for a hundred-hour <laughs> run. So uh, and it's 50 hours in, so I just want to pause it and I don't want to turn it off. You know? So, not really? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a long job. Uh, yes. What are you what are you printing a house? Um kind of um so <laughs> so uh it's I, like none of your business. <laughs> well, I I I have a, a Cyberpunk 2020 game I'm I'm running uh we're doing um Deep Space so I'm running a high rider game. So nice. I found these um tiles for space corridors and other space things. And uh, I'm just printing out all those dungeon tiles for my players so they can, like, position and, and basically do 3D battle maps, right? Um, oh, nice. So, and I have a 3D printer, so, yeah. One of those hobby Clearly. things. <laughs> Again, apologies if the static is too much. It's not too bad. No, it keeps coming and going, but it, it's it's fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I can still I, hear you clear it, I think it's just how I position the mic, right? <clears throat> so hopefully, yeah. if I point it away from the printer as opposed to directly at the printer, it's, <laughs> it should work. Right? I mean, you sound clear now, so whatever you're yeah, doing. Yeah, no, it's all good. Yeah. Um. So okay, so I guess I guess that's how I got involved in uh, 
in cyberpunk as a as a player and a fan. Okay. Are you still yeah. doing role playing games today or I am. Um I haven't played a lot of cyberpunk lately because I've been uh I've been working on uh I've been tinkering with my own thing. Um which is not a cyberpunk game, but I still I still love the material and everything and uh you know I, I keep my eye out. Still tinkering with oh. your own game. Is it uh sci fi, fantasy, horror? It is sci fi. It is sci fi. Um it's a little it's a little bit top secret, so I don't want to say a lot about it. I will say, um in in relation to um like keeping my eye out for like cyberpunk stuff. Uh, there are a few other um, products by other companies that I've like mined for ideas. I think probably every gamer does this. It's like everybody buys GURPS supplements and then doesn't play GURPS, but it's just like their supplements are such. <laughs> so very true. Right? It's full of so much good stuff. There's. Um, one of the things that, relating back to the Shadowrun question, one of the things that uh, I notice is that most of the at least sort of first wave of, of cyberpunk imitators, things like uh, Earth Cybertech Sourcebook and um, Cyberspace from ICE and uh, Shadowrun and others, is that they all were basically the same as. Talsorian's cyberpunk. You know, the, the yeah. name may have been different, but it's like the same kind of setup exactly. They've all got the insidious Japanese, you know, mega corporation. They've all. Yeah. And the it's wastelands. The and... Yep. And the same kind of setup. It's like a big urban city with a lot of mega corporations ruling it and edge runners or whatever you want to call them, freelancers running around doing their thing, which, you know, is, is I guess, default, but it's kind of default because. Talsorian set the default. But there are some cyberpunk game supplements out there that I thought were really original and innovative and like had really great ideas. And the two that stand out are there was a, uh, a book for the TriStat system called uh, Ex Machina. And uh, it was a good one. It, right? And it's got like four different settings. Each one's a, a radically different cyberpunk setting. And I appreciated that because they were you know, they were fresh ideas. And another one is this game for the amazing engine called Chromosome. Chromosome mm. started with a K, and it's like a biotech cyberpunk uh, setting. And it has a lot of really different ideas about society and the structure of like how things work. So for anybody who's looking for like new material to sort of like spice up their Cyberpunk twenty twenty games. Or 2070s, excuse me, 2045 games. Uh, or whatever else. Those are a couple that, you know, over the years have, have come across my radar as, you know, really worthwhile. Okay. I'm not familiar with Chromosome. I need to check that out. Nobody's familiar with Chromosome. It was a, <laughs> it came and it went. It's one of those blips. Yeah, but it was it was it was it, it deserved more recognition. I I can't speak to the amazing engine as a system, but uh the fluff in that book was just I mean really for me in most of those books the only reason I ever get them is for the fluff. Precisely. Yeah. I've got 
tons of different cyberpunk game books, but have I played those games? No, I'm just, you know, looked at them and gone, ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I know before we started, we, we were talking, and um, <clears throat> I know you're not much of a, a computer gamer. Um, right. So I know you haven't been exposed to 2077, and you know of it, right, but you've never played it. Um, I have to advocate that, to me, it's definitely worth a check. <laughs> check out. Um, I enjoyed it. As, like, story-wise, it's one of my top three games at all, of all time. <clears throat> yes. Nice. And also, as, as a Cyberpunk 2010, 2020 person, they didn't encompass all of 2020 as a game system, but I think they captured a lot of the aesthetics that you I mean, and you, the rest of that crew kind of portrayed within the books. The best thing about it is you can walk and drive around Night City. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, that's I've, just I've, amazing to me. I've certainly, I, I agree. I mean, I've certainly done a lot of um, looking into it. You know, I've watched a ton of YouTube videos, uh, like playthroughs of the game, you know, like kind of cinematic movie version presentation of the game, people talking about the different weapons, and the cyberware and the characters. I mean, it is insane to look at YouTube and see how many like lore videos there are where they're saying, well, if you dig back into like, you know, the Chromebooks, you'll learn blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah. Or, or even I, some of them are getting it wrong. I I was watching yeah. another video. They get a lot wrong. In which they're talking about Rach Barmos and and the rabbits, and it's like, oh, yeah. Rach unleashed the rabbits before he died, and it's like, no, they were on a dead nope. man switch. <laughs> Precisely. The reason why they were released because was he died, and there's like, oh, he was he was taken out because his he had like a date or something. I'm like. No, he was. There was an artillery <laughs> strike on his freaking house. <laughs> on his fridge. Out. Yeah. So I, I don't know where you're getting your lore from. If you're getting your lore from the game, and and that was the other thing that I think a lot of the people who who post the lore are like strictly 2077 and don't listen to like Mike or anyone else from Altar Sonian is like. You believe what Johnny says? You're an idiot, <laughs> Johnny. Yeah, that's yeah. for sure. Johnny is a a program. Oh, he, is a facsimile yeah, he, of the person he was, and he's been in that computer system for God knows how long. Who knows what corrupted data has entered his system, and it was taken. From I mean, every, dead brain. Everything he tells you is from his own ridiculously inflated ego. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Just to, warp, to make him the, the superstar of any given situation. So I've seen a lot a of lore, lore things that was like, wow. I mean, just even doing what? preliminary research. But, you know, it's... you are one of the uh, sources, as it were, for the lore. So I'm glad we have you on to clarify anything uh any questions? Oh yeah, we're gonna. When it comes to lore. <laughs> well, I'm Blow looking forward to that. I do. I ju did just realize that um, one of my credits that uh, didn't get mentioned is I did a bunch of art for some of the books. Oh really? Uh, oh. Yeah, I I did tons of illustrations. Uh, maybe not tons, but several. Um, and the only thing artwork of mine that kind of seeped into the video game, and only kind of. Is the uh, the Militech Crusher pistol shotgun? 
<laughs> That's and one that I. Weapon. Uh, <laughs> the Poseidon the, Gong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. That's what it is. Um, I mean, yeah, honestly, I, it's it, you including that weapon in the original Chromebook in the as like a very very close homage to the Poseidon mm -hmm. Gong. That's what sold me on the line. Wow. Well, I mean, yeah, the anime influence was showing. And I, I mean, I wrote that and I drew it. So it, like... It, okay, you know, so you created, you drew all the best weapon illustrations in the Chromebooks. Uh, I don't know about the best, but I certainly I did mean, some of them. Uh, I, could, I could go through them, but uh, yeah, I did... I did some artwork for them. I, I drew the uh, the full Borgs, at least in the in Chromebook Two. So like the uh, the Wingman and the and the um, yeah the Dragoon yeah. Um, well, I didn't realize this, but uh, apparently you are one of my three favorite artists that ever worked for Artalsorian. <laughs> All shucks. Thank you, Jesus I, Christ! <laughs> if you weren't talented enough before, you just got to blow that shit out of the water. I'm. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you, uh, Mike Jackson, and Chris Hawkabout, like, you three, like, are what sold me on Cyberpunk. Yeah, those those, those guys are real good. They're way better than me. Okay. Those guys are amazing. So now that I know that, that you are the are <clears throat> the artist for the, the full, full Borgs, mm -hmm. that leads me to the question of, did you create Adam Smasher before or after you drew the Samson? Uh, after, because um, the Samson actually, you know, it's interesting. I was thinking about uh, a previous question that you'd asked. Uh, what's your least favorite 2020 book? I could have also said Maximum Metal because <laughs> me and my friends in college were working really hard on the full Borgs because there hadn't been anything like them before in the game. Uh, you know, like Even these, though they show up in the art, because uh, you see you see Bryrebulus from Appleseed, which is my favorite manga of all time. Which, oh, and Appleseed is is godlike. I wish we could get a decent anime adaptation of it, but we never really oh, have. Jesus, we never have. Uh, yeah, they've come close. We've either gotten we've either gotten good story and bad animation, or fantastic animation and like they didn't even read the manga. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. And then when they uh, de-blacked Briario, so I was like, ugh, come on. Yeah, like, dude, what the hell? Um, um, but yeah, Appleseed and Xenon the Heavy Metal Warrior, those oh were the yeah, books I was reading that when I yeah. discovered Cyberpunk, I was like, holy shit. Oh, I love Xenon. Uh, yeah, that's good stuff. So... So with the, the, with the, with the full Borgs, like, this was an idea that... I don't remember if me and my friends like pitched the idea of full Borgs or if Derek said to us, do you guys want to do full Borgs? But however it happened, we did them. And it wasn't that long after Chromebook 2 came out, or maybe it was even before Chromebook 2 came out? I don't remember. But Maximum Metal came out really close to that. Maximum and Metal came out after... Okay. Uh, or at least I bought it after. Okay. But the thing was, we had, like, worked really hard on the full Borgs to make them, like, ex like, like extreme, but not unprecedented. Right. 
And then, so it was like when we put like, you know, like the Dragoon in there, like, okay, this is like the, you know, the most awful thing you're going to run into. And then Maximum Metal comes out and it's like, oh, here are these things that are like a gajillion times tougher and more formidable. And I'm like, wait, so an exosuit that you wear is going to be more formidable than like, like a hollow exosuit is going to be tougher than a not hollow full board. I, I remember we were all a little sort of hurt, me and my really? friends, Mike and Jeff. Yeah, because we had no idea that Maximum Metal was in the works. Oh, yeah. We that were never was... told. So, I mean, we were... for me, it all comes back to Appleseed. So you want your full conversion cyborgs and you want your powered armor. Your, I mean, it landmark. fits. It fits, but I mean, think about this. If you've got uh, a powered armor that fits a person inside it, and it's really tough. Presumably, you could have a full Borg who inside, <laughs> who's in right, but like make that whole thing, but integrate mm. the full Borg into it. It would be even tougher because it mm. doesn't have hollow spaces with meat inside it. But we didn't even know that was an option. Like the toughest thing in the game up to that point basically was an AV four. Well, and just a quick research. Supposedly, Maximum Metal came out in 93, and Chrome 2 came out in 92. Okay. They were they were close to each they other, though. I know close, that much. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm sure it was like, <laughs> here's a bunch of our stuff, and then you didn't know because they were still working on it. And I know timelines yeah. with books can be crazy. And then it's yeah, like... It, it, our Talisorian was had various artists or various writers doing various things at the same time and in parallel. And I don't think there was a yeah. lot of communication between the various groups. Um, but I, th I, from my understanding, that's that, that was like a game industry type of thing, even like Dungeons and Dragons with TSR and Wizards. See, and that's. They would they would have that's weird various me, groups doing their yeah. own thing. Um, I always got the impression that the Artel Artelsorian crew was a much closer knit group. Finding out that there was little communication between the staffs working on the various books, you don't know. It's kind of an eye opener. Well, if you think about and and you know Ben, you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but. Uh -huh. with, with different writers and different products, right? Like, even with, yeah. like, especially with the, the source books, like uh, Rough Guide to the UK, Eurosource, Pac Rim, yeah. those were authors. When you look at the authors yeah. and the writers, they've never written for any other books, right? So I think there's and like. See, a, and yeah, for those, for those <laughs> books, they really do seem like they were completely removed from everything that was going right. on. So, so, and, and again, you know, there's timelines and, and work and process, at least from an outsider. I, I don't know this for fact, right? So this is just all my opinion. <clears throat> when, well, when, when I, you're looking at products, at, at least from a publisher point of view, it's A, you, you want to produce as many products as you want. In a given year, yeah. and and I think yeah. our Tosorian, you guys were like producing 
three to four products or, or books every year for I would say X amount of years, right? So, yeah. so there was always like the it seemed at least from a time from a uh, a production, right? A product line. I'm going to sign this person to this, and I think like Derek and um, Dave and Mike probably had the better scheme or understanding of what things were going on. Um, but you know, whether or not he introduced like to your group who was college kids who were just producing shit, which was, and yeah. again, the, the whole Chromebook from my understanding was just like a cl conglomeration of various people coming in and contributing to, to this versus maximum metal, which was, Hey, we're going to solidify, uh, vehicle rules we're going to solidify this acpa rules etc and military or not there was, yeah of, and whether yeah. or not there was a crossover that's kind of <laughs> from an editor's point of view should i have a crossover or not you know well that's exactly right i think i'll 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 my take on it is you know for us working on the the full borgs we felt really hurt because it was like, you know, we had tried to keep these things in line with everything that had come before and everything that was out there. Uh, because, like, nothing up until that point had had, like, an armor SP of higher than 40, I think. And so that's I, I think we get, I think we gave the dragoon that I, I may have the number wrong, but it, you know we tried to make it like okay, this is as tough as the toughest thing you've seen, and then stuff in maximum metal completely blew that out of the water. In fairness, we didn't. That wasn't a mission assigned to us by uh, Derek, was the uh, the line editor at the time, because um, I think Mike was working on he was either working on developing Cyber Generation or Castle Falkenstein. I don't remember which. I think at the time it probably would have been Falkenstein. Okay. Falcon uh, Falkenstein. Uh, but he, uh, so Derek was in charge of that. And, you know, I don't think Derek did anything wrong. Derek didn't think that it was an issue. He's like, well, this is a military book and this is a, you know, cybernetics book. And he didn't know that we were, like, looking at uh, the the entirety of the game and trying to put you know strike this balance right right uh if he had known that he i'm sure he would have said well you know we got this thing coming out that completely opens up the high end of things right. if we had known that we would have done things a little differently but i think but, even even with like a squad of dragoons versus a squad of acpas that's a tough call right yes probably ACPAs can definitely do plenty of I mean, damage, dragoons move, but the way the dragoons so much move, faster. yeah, it's exactly. The tight I mean, corners that they can get into, especially in a city yeah. fight, it, it, it's very, it's very hard to say because keep in mind you take off an ACPA's leg, yeah, you, you, the pilot is going to be in mortal condition and probably bleeding true, out. True. Versus a dragoon is like, oh, I lost my leg. All right, let me keep on fighting. 
True. That's that's absolutely true. Um, the, uh, so I, I've always yeah. viewed Borgs as as yeah. Okay, you <laughs> you Borgs have are always inherently more dangerous too. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I, it, it was just a it was a matter of balance. It was yeah. or not necessarily balance, but you know we we didn't know that things with forty SP were even like Possible. something that that could be in the game. You know, and then all of a sudden they are. So we're like, oh, these things that we thought were the toughest thing in the game that we made aren't. And no harm done is just, you know, kind of a, a, a little like, shock of cold water for us. Um, but yeah, it was it was definitely, you know, Derek uh, clearly didn't think that it was an issue. Yeah. Uh, probably because we didn't say anything about it. So mm. I don't think we did anything wrong. Right. Uh, and... Dave Ackerman was like the production manager of the company and the art director. So he wasn't going to be the one to bring up that kind of thing. And Mike, like I said, he's always, his thing was pretty much always, he was working on the next game, like core game. Yeah. So he wasn't super involved in the day to day of like the nitty gritty of stuff like that. Cool. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, so, you know, I made I made the artwork for uh, the Samson and the, uh, you know, me and my friends have put, into get, put together these rules for, for full Borgs. And then for, I guess, Solo 2, uh, I, I don't really know exactly where the basic idea came from, but I just, I, I just wanted to have an article written from the point of view of, like, a full Borg cyber psycho. And that's where Adam uh, Smasher... Yeah, Adam Smasher is like, that's where he came from. It was just sort of a one-off gag. It was like, okay, here's an article written by a totally unhinged robot man who likes to kill. Like, by the, the way, worst. I love that article. <laughs> oh, there are some hilarious quotes from that article. That, thanks. That was, it was really supposed to be, like, kind of, like, you know, satirical and ridiculous. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I wrote that he had a Samson, and then um, they had some terrific artwork uh, that people, you so, know, a couple of different art pieces. Artalsorian can... was actually the. Sorry. I was going to say that the first, uh, they were the first RPG group that I ever saw that the art was consistent. Like, if, if this was an AB4, this was what an AB4 looked like. If this was a Samson bot, this is what a Samson looked like. Like, it, it maintained that across most of the books. I'd, I'd credit Dave Ackerman with that. He's a very good art director. Um, he really has a good eye. And he's a good artist himself. Uh, I think he drew... He drew some things in a couple of the books, but I, I'm trying to remember what. I know he did one one thing, or maybe two. He did two pieces for a Mekton book. He did some things for some of the cyberpunk books, but I can't remember what right now. But yeah, that was that was Dave's influence. So awesome. my question was, out of because uh, I know you're credited as an article writer for Solo Fortune Two, was that the uh -huh. only article you wrote? Was the um, Adam Smasher one? That is a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Uh, I don't think it was the only thing I did for uh, for Solo Two. Um, I'm actually going to take a look at solo 2 and see. destroy all flesh is the uh, article name yes yes what a title. 
Oh, that was a silly, silly article. That was very fun. Um, I'm looking for Solo Fortune 2. I'm going to look at the TOC and see what else is there. And you know that spike on the cover of Solo Fortune 2. Yes. Yeah, we we grilled him about that. (laughs) I've been giving him crap about that for years. Well, we we also were wondering because he was the model for the cover, which of course is Morgan Blackhand. Apparently, yeah, both cor- covers of Solo Fortune. So, our question to him was like, "Oh, so you're the the uh, player slash creator of Morgan Blackhand?" He's like, "No, no, no, that's Mike." But you are the creator of Adam Smasher. Is is I think. Uh, one thing that I think our listeners yeah he revealed that information to us and it was it was very (laughs) shocking (laughs) yeah we we had a lot of fun with uh with Spike he's a he's a real he's a real hoot um and yeah he was he was super game to do that the gun he's using if I remember right wait let me look at the cover yeah that's a toy gun that belongs to me it's (laughs) from a uh, it's from a Japanese uh live action a uh, hero show called uh, Blue SWAT. And, That's uh, fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the name we, of the gun. Prop. We asked him about that, and he was like, "I don't, I don't know." It's a, it's a, it's called a uh, a BW01 Dictator, and uh, that's from the show Blue SWAT. And I still have that toy. It's super cool. It's motorized. It can like pop out the little cartridges and stuff. Man, that's awesome! All this time, I, when looking at it, I thought it was like from a Japanese light gun game, but no, that's much cooler. <laughs> it's a—I mean, it's a really cool gun design. It's got this weird sort of like round crystal feature on it that um, is, you know, very like authentic. But other than that, it rules. Looking at Cyber at uh, Solo Two, um, there's this section on. Um, walking steel the uh the, the cyber walks oh yeah yep. yeah that was i wrote that and i did the artwork for that very so, cool yeah so that and i remember there was actually i remember there was a review of solo 2 and it specifically called out the artwork for the panzer kraken as being good but it, <laughs> it misattributed it said such i don't remember who but it said such and such did an amazing job drawing this this uh this cyberwalk and i'm like god damn it that was me who drew it (laughs) i I mean i I tried to uh uh, like finding out that you're the one who did the the full conversion and the weapon drawings for the chromebooks like i've been trying to piece together who does the art for what well since i first got into the books sure i get um it's really it was all up in the air for me, uh, with the exception of Chris Hawk about because of Interface. Yeah. Uh, Good magazine, Interface. Oh, it was fantastic. But it was all up in the air because none of the individual art is is credited. Yes. So it wasn't until like the day the age of the internet when I started like, you know, following the various artists uh, and they'd post, you know, their work from the from that time that I was like, oh, okay, that's who did that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's sometimes tricky to nail down. I think I also did this recoil article that's in uh, Solo Two. That's you. Think that's me, if I remember correctly. Might have been Craig Shealy. 
because that's very much like, you know, his wheelhouse. But I think it was me. Um, Walking Steel was certainly, certainly me. Uh, and maybe some other things. Uh, I'd have to dig through a little bit more. But, oh, I think, I think the uh, maximum firepower weapon expansion, electrothermal propellant, electrothermal artillery, follow-up missiles, rail guns. Uh, no, I think that was probably Craig Shealy, but it might have been me. So... Um, yeah. Oh, and the Sandpiper, I rode that bike. Yeah, I, 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 there's a I bunch of these that. things I did. Yeah. yeah, it's a cool bike. I like it too. So, how did you get the nickname Guru? Um... Well, uh, my favorite band is Pop Will Eat Itself, which is a Ooh. British band um, who were big in the 90s, late 80s. Uh, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> yeah, most Americans haven't heard of them. They're, they're, they were bigger in Europe. They're, they're a British band. Uh, they're still around, but they only have one of their original members left. Their most prominent member, uh, Clint Mansell, went on to do a lot of Hollywood sound uh, soundtracks and scores. He did uh, most of Darren Aronofsky's movies, most famously Requiem for a Dream. And nice. he, he did the soundtrack for the... That. Yeah, he did the soundtrack for the first uh, Doom movie. And um, yeah, if you look him up, his credits are very impressive. And the guy's a musical genius. Like, once he left the band, Popolite itself it wasn't what it once was. Uh, but anyway, one of the songs off their debut album is called Gribo Guru and a Gribo is like a, a British term for like a grungy kind of punk and so Gribo Guru was like the, the handle I used on the internet and I still do like to this day uh, I see so <laughs> yeah so so right yeah it's right there uh, so so Guru was, uh, was sort of you know a fragment of that and I think my first cyberpunk character who was a techie was named Gribo, nicknamed Guru, last name Frockbender. Hmm. Yeah, I think that was my first cyberpunk character because I played before I ran it. Yeah, as you do. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, so that's how that happened. And um, uh, I mean, I don't claim to be a guru of anything, but I I like the way it sounds, and you know, I, I like the band. So there you are. Cool. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that Adam Smasher was basically made a, as a pun specifically for Solo Fortune Two. But did you actually create him as a character? Did you just, or was it just like a, a fictitious, a fictitious author that you tried to produce for Solo Fortune? Yeah, no, I. I... He, he didn't. He wasn't a character who appeared in any of my games. He was, he was purely conceived as like sort of a cautionary tale. It's like because while cyber psychos get mentioned in the game, you don't, you don't really see much of, about them. Like you, no, there there are no real there are no real examples, and. That was one of the things I thought was so super interesting about the Edge Runners anime is that they they really latched onto it. They were like, "Oh, this is interesting. Let's play with this." And they didn't necessarily do 
what I imagined cyberpsychosis as being like. But it was still really cool. But I felt like I remember it was like, well, let's let's hear let's hear from a cyberpsycho. Let's let's see how bad it is. And so that was why I did it. Um, but then when Firestorm was happening, was being conceived, uh, Mike was like looking for a a bad guy to oppose Johnny and Morgan. And the thing about cyberpunk is that you know it's not black and white. There aren't really you know there's there aren't very many characters you can point to easily and say that is a a villain. You know, yeah, you can say there are guys who you know you can look at the guys who run the corporations and stuff, but there just wasn't really much of a rogues gallery in cyberpunk. So Adam Smasher was just sort of like the one who stood out as being like <laughs> really really evil. I mean, it doesn't help that cyberpunk is such a deadly system that when you do encounter the big bad guy, he usually doesn't leave the battlefield alive. Yeah, it's either he dies or you die. I mean, it's, there's not right. much in between. Um, yeah, absolutely. And uh, so I, you know, when I created him, I was like, I didn't know this guy was going to be like, you know, a top billing type of character. And, well, you know, naturally, when he, not when he showed up... For, for, for Firestorm, but top villain for uh, edge runner yeah he's the big baddie in the video game 2077 and yeah your guy is huge yeah he's he's the big villain in in the anime and the freaking uh video game it's crazy uh he doesn't look like he used to but that's fine you know it's been decades i get there's a uh, there's a prequel cinematic where he looks more like a samson oh is that right uh yeah, um, it, wow. it takes place in a flashback, and it's it's not quite exact because uh-huh. you know video games, but uh, he does look more like a Samson in that as opposed to what they're calling his later uh, appearance is like a modified dragoon. I don't know. I can if I, can, I would call it that, but I, I mean, I get the I get the basic idea of what they're going for there. It's fine. I I remember when. Uh, 2077 was being worked on Mike and I were talking about it a little and uh, uh, he asked me to look over the timeline uh, for getting from 2020 to 2077 and my recommendation to him was to just reboot to just basically make 2077 be what 2020 is that's what and I said to him. Right? I was like, just just start the timeline at 2030 and just stretch it out like two years for one year, and boom. And he didn't like that idea. So instead, the timeline for 2077 basically does backflips to advance everything and then undo it all so that 2077 is basically 2020 again. And I... Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what influenced that decision, but it's not my game. He can, yeah. you know, do what he wants. Yeah. So we won't get too much into that. Um, no, but I, it's just it was just a quirky thing that I yeah. I found sort of notable. But I, you know, those guys at CD Projekt Red did an amazing job on the game, and you know, the visual design is is incredible. It's it's personally not again much like the anime it's not exactly what i would have envisioned for a lot of the stuff in the game 
but it's certainly really good and really works. And, yeah. You know, obviously has gone over very well. Yeah, and I think um, that plays into anybody, especially like cyberpunk players, right? Whether they're 2020 red, you definitely build out a vision of your universe and how the universe works. Um, yeah. And when someone takes it over or, or, or sees a different ver version of it, how close is that to your ideas of it? And, and for me, you know, Ed Runners in 2777 definitely don't fit my game, right? But they definitely yeah. fit with, yes, I can see that happening with this genre and with this game system and the lore that I was provided with. And it's very close, yeah. right? And and that's the one thing yeah. I, I like about at least Cyberpunk is, and I think of it like a, <laughs> kind of like a shotgun, right? You have the, uh -huh. the wide, double-barreled, blunderbuss dispersion, which can be crazy all over the place. Or you can have the longer barrel, uh, concentrated shot which hey yes there's some variance but you're kind of on target right you're, you're uh -huh. definitely closer closer to my vision than someone else right when it comes sure. to comes to the whole thing and again artists are going to take their their ideas and present them as they need to and i find both CD part or CD Project Red and uh, Project Trigger, they definitely capture a lot of the stuff that I wanted to see in Cyberpunk. Oh yeah. When, when you get into the devil and the details, yeah, that's <laughs> I wouldn't have done it this way. I would have done it this way. But you you guys got the general concept, and that's what I loved about both. Um, the Edge Runner system, or the Edge Runner anime, and the game system. Um, yes. So you have seen Edge Runner, and um, so mm -hmm. you've kind of given your kind of little bits of opinions of it. Um, do you want to like what's... give your full opinion of it, or? Yeah, what's it like seeing the character <sighs> you created feature so I... prominently in like the most popular? <laughs> anime of the year i was i was floored i mean first of all i was floored like from the beginning because you know it starts out and it's like cyberpunk edge runners and then mike pondsmith's name is huge on the screen like they're created by mike pondsmith and i'm like yeah how the hell did he swing that like you don't see that on like halo or starship troopers you know, you watch, like, the Starship yeah. Troopers anime, it doesn't say huge name, Robert Heinlein, right in your face. Um, right? Starship Troopers? Heinlein? I'm not crazy, am I? Yeah, that's that's Heinlein. Okay, phew. Boy, I would have had to cut up my geek card if I'd gotten that wrong. <laughs> um, so I was already, like, like, oh my god, just seeing that. And then, you know, towards the end, when Smasher shows up, I was like, no way. No way. Come on. No way. And then there he is. I'm like, I'm like, good God, come on, really? Wow. And then, you know, I was like, geez, so this, this dude I created is like the, the, the Darth Vader of 
the yeah. franchise. Like, freaking, he, he, or maybe Kylo Ren would be a, a better example because Kylo Ren kills off all the main characters from the original Star Wars. He, no, um, yeah. Kylo Ren is a, is a far, far <laughs> lesser example of, of who Adam Smasher versus Darth Vader. I mean, fair enough. Thank you. I, I mean, Kylo Ren was more effective than Darth Vader, but, uh, but Vader's you, you always going to be the cooler character. Listen, you're from the original trilogy. You're not. <laughs> you're not from I'm from the, the original trilogy. I like, I like the sequels. I mean, I'm, I, the, I don't. The sequels are fine, like but what I'm saying is Ben is the original trilogy, right? Fair enough. I'll, t I'll take a Ridge Fridge. Cyberpunk 2077 and Edge Runners are the second, and granted they're doing a great job at it, but they are the second trilogy, or third trilogy, Fair. which which would I, you, whichever I, you prefer. Yeah, <laughs> the sequels. Cause, I get cause, it. Yeah, because the second trilogy, and that's uh, one through three versus episode four, <laughs> right? So. I saw a great the original I... prequel and sequel. That's just. <laughs> There was a guy, a cosplayer at a, a convention, a comic con that I went to, and he was dressed as Anakin Skywalker. And this guy was funny. He, he was holding up a sign and it said reasons to hate sand. <laughs> so this is, a, of course, it's a prequels joke. And it's like, uh, you know, dry, coarse, gets everywhere, whatever else that moronic sort of ramble that Anakin Skywalker made was. But the best part is that his little sign with the list of reasons went four, five, six, and then one for his list of reasons. And I was like, why is the list out of order? He said, because that's how you count Star Wars movies. <laughs> I was like, okay, nicely played. Well done. Uh, anyway, talk about a uh, talk about a divergence. Yes, and then that's so, what it's all about. One of the weirdest things to come out about Adam Smasher is <laughs> like the fans, of the video game and the anime. They keep trying to. Uh, I, I keep seeing this. Is they keep trying to like? Well, in his early days, he must have been a good guy, like like Anakin Skywalker, uh, <laughs> and they keep trying to make him friendly. <laughs> what? Yeah, no, I, I I've seen it like a dozen times now on various Reddit and Facebook posts. Wow, and, Jesus, dude! Like that guy is pure psychopathy from start to finish. Yeah, so, I mean, as the yeah, creator, give us the lowdown on his early days before he got turned into a cyborg and how he got turned into a cyborg. You can just make it up if you want. I don't care. Shit <laughs> <laughs> <Just> to bed. <laughs> I mean, the idea is no, he was always. A horrible guy he he grew up really poor and he ran with boosters or i guess this would have been before there even were boosters right um but he grew up you know in the gangs and uh he 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 was already a violent criminal before he he ever got borged up he was he was a, a mercenary uh, i think um yeah and, uh, that's yeah he he was he was a guy who was, who basically had no redeeming qualities, except that he was good at killing people and liked to kill people. Uh, so when he got blown up, uh, you know, and, and almost killed and was 
literally backpacked out of the you know the battle he got blown up in uh and they said hey you know you want to work for an evil security corporation and be like a you know a killer robot he's like hell yeah so <laughs> this is not a guy who has any kind of redemption arc within him or any kind of uh, you know, once he was a decent dude. I mean, maybe when he was a little child, like, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but, <laughs> and he wasn't, like, setting puppies on fire. And... <laughs> I mean, he probably was, like, killing, you know, kittens when he was a kid. Like, this is a guy who has just always been bad. And I guess, you know, if you wanted to delve deeper into him, perhaps part of the reason that he could, he could go cyber-psycho and still function in any regard is because he was always a homicidal maniac like going cyber psycho wasn't a huge change for him yeah he was already psycho they just threw the cyber on the front of it yeah like i was kind of surprised in edge runners how comparatively sane he seemed uh but i guess if you're going to have this be an enduring character at some point you have to sort of uh like have him not be just a, a you know a Tasmanian devil of bullets. So, uh, it, it, as part of the red lore, at some point, Adam Smasher gets a secondary body that looks like a blonde Elvis and becomes Michiko Arasaka's lover. Were you, were you aware of that? <laughs> I, I, uh, this is news to me. And, and this okay. was before Red. Right, so I remember um, Mike uh, again. This was uh, <clears throat> so I used to go to a convention up in Massachusetts. Mike used to actually run some games, um, but he also mentioned that apparently Adam Spasher dated Michiko, the granddaughter of Saburo, um, for a time, which is just about the creepiest thing ever. Just, I, I just can't imagine how that could possibly. I don't want to imagine how that works and what that would look like. Just no. I mean, you know, my concept was that he finds he he. I mean, the article is called "Destroy All Flesh." He's not a fan of flesh. The right. I, the idea that he would get a you know a a backup body that that imitates human flesh and engage in sexual activity is against the conception I had for him, but, I mean, I don't own the character. Yeah. You know, right. Anything one wants it, can it, happen. It just, just like, what, what's wrong with her head that that's who she goes for? <laughs> well, and, I mean, I think, I think that's probably the reason that it was done, is it's like, you know, to demonstrate how screwball she is, how messed up, how, how, how depraved Absolutely. She is. And that's a great way to do that. I, you know, I mean, I can only imagine that this must have been something forced on him like you know well you know we own you and this is what we want to do so this is what you're doing and he probably that's, hated that's it. a good take that's yeah that makes that makes so much more sense well, uh, yes. well although his very first line in the video game is as a, as a <laughs> I remember he's like oh you look like a, 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 a tasty a, piece of slice of meat or something like he's gonna yeah. like fuck a piece of meat yes that's, that's the quote that was and I, I like I cringe so fucking hard. Like I, my skin crawled so badly when he said that. I was like, "Oh, oh my yeah. god!" Oh yeah, yeah. But I, I, you know, at least personally, I didn't interpret that as being like 
<clears throat> literal. It's just like he's thinking, like, well, what's the thing that'll freak someone out the most? What yeah, no, because he's a psycho. Like, yeah. I don't think he wanted to <laughs> do anything. I think he just wanted to, like, creep her the fuck out. Well, yeah. I mean, Look. reading that, the, the Solo of Fortune 2 article, you definitely can see him saying that when oh, yeah. oh, anybody's coming in. 100%. Yeah, the fact that first, that's not his battle cry. Yeah, the the fact that, that that the first thing out of his mouth is something about meat is perfect. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, uh, yeah. That's 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 fine. I haven't I, as as you know as I've probably made clear. I haven't delved into red very much, uh, mostly because I, I love twenty twenty and I don't particularly feel the need for you know a a, a different version. And personally. This is just my opinion. I don't have any insights at all. I don't really understand why the role-playing game is set in 2045 instead of 2077. Like, uh, that we seems haven't, odd. From what we could gather, it's like a rights thing. Uh, like okay, the, well, that CDPR, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, CDPR, because of the video game and the tie-ins they want to do, they're like, uh, they made a deal with Artel Soaring that they could have it up until you know like uh, 2066 2060 yeah and then after that after that it becomes you know what cdpr wants to do with it uh so there's not a conflict but there's also communication and giving back between the two teams to make sure hey this is we're we're singing everything um yeah they didn't want to step on each other's toes right so we're planting seeds for this CDPR, where were you going to go with this? Oh, we weren't even okay. thinking of this, so you know. So That's interesting. That makes that makes sense. So it's definitely given and, and take between that. Um, yeah. So speaking of all these iconic characters, is there any other iconic characters that you played that's in the various books or, or in the in the various systems or or even came up with those character concepts uh i think my netrunner uh werewolf is his name is dropped in a book or two yeah i've seen um, that yes yeah um i would love that name by the way thank you yeah it, it actually wound up being used by a writer who i really like who wrote um, Ghost Rider 2099, Marvel title uh, from the 90s. I, for anyone who I likes the comics, 29 series. The 2099 series is good. Read Ghost Rider 2099. It's only like... Have. You have? Oh, yeah. No, I read all those books. Um, I mean, Doom 2099 is where I first was introduced to uh, Warren Ellis. Warren Ellis, yeah. Well, the fellow who wrote Ghost Rider 2099 is really under... I feel terrible that I'm forgetting his name right now. I can't remember it either. I'm friends with him on Facebook, for gosh sakes. Anyway, it's like so arch cyberpunk. And he drops reference upon reference upon reference upon reference into that comic. And I had already come for the name Werewolf for my character before a character named Werewolf showed up in that comic and was in fact a literal like cyborg werewolf. Um, but... I mean, people want a good cyberpunk read Ghost Rider 2099. That that shows off the hook. Um, I mean, Spider-Man 2099, like, 
was obviously the gold standard of the 2099 series, but I loved all of them. I even liked Ravage 2099. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, uh, Punisher 2099 had some art by uh, Liam Sharp, who went on to be a really big name. He's done one. Dude, it was fantastic. Yeah. Actually, I, my favorite Liam Sharp stuff was his Punisher stuff, like his regular Punisher stuff. His Punisher stuff was good. I really liked his uh, Death's Head 2 stuff. That was pretty That old was school. fantastic, too. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, this is this is all sort of a, a, a deviation. The, other than Werewolf, there's probably been mention of a couple of other characters. I think, actually, yes, uh, Dr. Corvus Crow, who is the head of Raven Microsybe. Okay, he, that's very cool to know. He was uh, he was a guy who I first used in a in a uh, convention adventure that I ran, uh, which was essentially sort of a um, at the time it was based on New Jack City, but now people would say it was based on the Dread movie. You know, a gang takes over an apartment building, and the characters have to kind of like get in there and, and get rid of these guys. That's what I did with Slaughterhouse in my uh, in my combat zone. Nice, yeah, that's yeah. that's perfect. Uh, but yeah, the idea was that it was a, that in this adventure that I ran for at a convention, it was a Raven Microside facility that had been, you know, scuttled, but mm. lo a local local uh, boosters had taken it over before it could be completely emptied and shut down, so they had access to like. You know, sort of cutting edge cyber tech that uh, that Raven had been doing. I think uh, Doctor Crow. Uh, there's like a recording from him that's passed on to the uh, to the, the player characters. Um, oh, that's very cool. <laughs> yeah, so that was fun. my question. Is did you have a uh, NPC called Buki? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 no, what? What? Pookie. From New Chris Jack Rocks City? from New Jack City? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I should have. Damn. I remember him very well, but I'd forgotten his name was Pookie. Oh, thank you for reminding me. <sighs> yeah, That's the. Uh, cyberpunk inspiration right there. Absolutely. That movie is a great, like, almost cyberpunk movie. Um, Although the best interpretation of the combat zone I had seen up until that point was actually Death Wish 3. Yeah, yeah. Canon Films really delivers on the, the combat zone vibes. Really? You don't think um, Escape from New York City? Escape from New York is a good example. I mean, Ro yeah, that's, Robocop. that's a great one too. Yeah, Robocop. Yeah. But uh, like the violence of just everyday everything in in Death Wish Three was just so ridiculously over. <laughs> <laughs> Movie's crazy. <laughs> is that the one where he like blows the guy up with the bazooka? It is, and it's the one okay. where he sets the trap where the dude crawls into the window and it smacks him, and they come in and like, "What is that?" And like, "It's teeth stuck right. in the board." Right. Oh God. So brutal. Uh, um, I'm trying to think if there's any other characters that I might have worked in there. I know that stuff from my games did work in there. I think um, the DDI Prayerware device that is... Yes. I think that, that's from a convention uh, tournament that me and my friends ran. Um, 
I went to the University of Rochester in upstate New York, and uh, U of R uh, had a role-playing game club called the SGA for Simulated Gaming Association or Simulation Gaming Association. And each year, the SGA would put on a role-playing game like convention at the school, and so we were, you know, me and my friends were doing cyberpunk, so we decided to run a cyberpunk. Uh, tournament where the first round the players would uh, be doing street level jobs for uh, people who they didn't know were executives at uh, DDI, Digital Divinity Incorporated and then the people who we, you know, awarded the winner of each session gathered together to play in the second session where the, it was it was all in a corporate boardroom and they all played executives at DDI, and it was like a total no combat, just like persuasion, intimidation, detect lies, you know, corporate machinations game. Oh, that sounds perfect. It was really fun, and uh, that was actually where I met Mike Pondsmith because my friends and I had, you know, we were playing cyberpunk and we loved it and everything. And one of my friends was either Mike or Jeff. Mike, my co-writer on uh, Wildside, and okay. Jeff, our mutual friend, one of them said, "You know, we should we should pitch some ideas to t- to this company. Like we're coming up with all the stuff for it all the time, and we love it, and we can write, and we can like do computer graphics, and you know we can draw. So we put together a sample page from from a quote sharper image catalog." For 2020 and mailed that to them and said hey you know this is the kind of stuff we can do and coincidentally Talsorian was working on the first chromebook at the time so the- yeah it was just perfect it was timing. just it is exactly what it was it was just lucky timing so that's how we wound up doing freelance work for them it's and- it's funny that you mentioned the ddi prayerware uh oh one that always seemed so like that was it always seemed like it came straight from Judge Dredd. Yeah, <laughs> it actually shows up in a form in the video game uh, as like automated prayer booths. Yeah, I was gonna mention nice. that. So it's oh, like cool. this little like video game console in which you go up yeah. and you spend like uh, five mm. EB to basically you know clean your soul. <laughs> all your wrongdoings. I love it. And there's like a little waiting thing like, okay, we're judging you. Oh, you're free. All your solid (laughs) sins have been absolved. Other than just getting to walk around Night City, that's really my favorite part of the game are all the little references to everything that came before. They're just scattered everywhere. That's great. I love that. I love that. That's really terrific. That's good to know. I mean, this is what I miss out by not playing the game, but I, I have so many time-consuming, expensive hobbies already. It's crazy. Well, uh, make time. <laughs> yeah, make time. really. It's, I guess it's I, really I guess a I fantastic game. I guess I have to. Now, the, um, the mechanics leave a lot to be desired. Yeah. Like they, yeah. they, that's, that's, my, that's my biggest complaint is the mechanics and being locked first person. Those two things. Well, I mean, I like first person, so don't. (laughs) 
me, me and Wisdom have different opinions of the game, but indeed, that's fair. That's fair. I figure, uh, you know, eventually, I wouldn't be surprised if they released some kind of update where you could do like third person or something. They've they've done mods for that. Yeah, there's mods uh, for PCs for that. Nice. Uh, so I don't get any of that good stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've only got a PS4, so I'm. I'm uh, and what have I used it for? Playing like the most low poly, simple games you can think of. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. All I play is GTA. So. Hey, hey, whatever, whatever floats your boat. Whatever that helps you sleep at night. Exactly. So, um, if you want to keep on rambling, we can ramble. I have another question, but it's up to you. Man. Well. I'll I'll, con- I'll complete my my ramble and then please hit me with another question. Um, Again, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. Good gosh. Uh, it's just that this this convention game that we ran is is what you know sort of wound up uh, uh, being how I wound up working at Talsorian like as an employee because. Uh, it was from that that we got the idea to invite Mike to the game convention that that the college, you know, gaming club ran each year. Because we were, you know, in contact with him and with the others at Telsarian. And we were running these cyberpunk, you know, tournaments. So we were like, how cool would it be if we could get Mike to come? And he said yes, again, through just dumb luck. He was like at a point where he was feeling really burnt out and needed a change of pace. And he thought, you know, going and hanging out like with some college kids in their dorm and at their little con sounds super. Like, I need a break. This sounds perfect. So he said yes, so he came. And that's how we met him. We hung out with him and we got along with him. And that's what led to, you know, us going to uh, Gen Con and being part of their crew. And it's, you know, how I got in close enough with Talsorian to eventually get hired and work there for, you know, from 94 to 98. I think, I think it was like the very first day of 94 until the uh, the company uh, closed up for a while in 98. Yeah. So, so that's yeah. what I'm hearing from various people, like even um, Ross, you, um, even some of the, the, the recent guys on how they, like, got into Altarsurian and started dealing with cyberpunk was like oh yeah I met Mike at like a gaming convention and we hit it off and I gave him a bunch of ideas and he's like oh yeah come work for me I'm like yeah that's that's him and 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 that's of course you know for, from my point of view yeah I, I had this site for years um, that I've created and I've never been able I don't know if it, it's just that a fanboy thing in which which kind of prevented me from like taking that extra step of like yeah you know he's too busy he's got too many things i don't want to like throw ideas at him or my craziness because that that's the other thing with like gaming conventions is you meet a lot of interesting people with a lot of interesting ideas and you often think the 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 guys who run these companies are constantly bombarded by these people it's like yeah. eh, I'm, I'm not going to I mean, overload him with my crazy ideas on what 
what you can do with a system, right? Yeah, I mean, Mike. Mike's a much bigger rock star now than he was then. True, of course, sure. Um, he was a a bigger a bigger fish. A, he was a big fish in a comparatively small pond. Now he's a a a moderate sized fish in a very big pond. Uh, like you know, when he's playing games, like you know, with Matt Mercer and famous people, <laughs> a, like you know, celebrity. Uh, I don't know who, but famous people. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's a he's a he's a pretty down to earth guy, very personable, very likable. Um, oh, definitely. And, <laughs> I, I've gamed with him several times at uh, the convention yeah, in Massachusetts. I've, I've, I've never gotten to meet him in person. I always hoped. Like I've been I've been writing for Data Fortress twenty twenty since 1996 yeah man that's like that's like that is that is i'm sorry that is that's like one of the most like legendary gaming sites there is if you ask me wow thank you thank you <laughs> it's totally true come on yeah uh, if you could see me now i'm, I'm blushing for you oh, stop but, uh, <laughs> yeah uh, i was out there was always that secret hope in the back of my head that you know it would somehow get me get me a job somewhere at Artel Sorian. But well, yeah, apparently I just had to go to a convention or something. Well, I think the problem is you put your stuff out there and you never like started the communication and the, and the talk up and pitch your stuff like, hey man, I want to come work for you, right? <laughs> yeah, the only the only thing I ever actually pitched to Artel Sorian was the first uh, was Conflict Africa. And uh, All right. it was at a time when they were trying to put out, when they were deep in putting out V3, and yep. it just wasn't, they weren't wanting to support 2020 anymore, is the impression yeah. that I got. I only ever talked to Lisa about it, but well, she was always very cordial and awesome. Dude, yeah, she's nice. Just, just remember, you, your claim to fame is your site went down because... Mike told CD PR to come check out your site, and they flooded your site to the point where they crashed it. So, kudos! I crashed completely. I had to. I had to move to a different server altogether. Oh my god! <laughs> That's awesome, man. It really was. Like my my ego went through the roof. Of course, my site was down for like six months after. No. <laughs> well, these things happen. So, um, my next question is, uh, what was your favorite book to work on while working on um, Well, while working, I mean, there was, there was the time when I was a freelancer, and then there was the time that I actually worked there. Um, when I was a freelancer, uh, working on the Chromebooks was super fun. That was with, you know, a group of my friends. Uh, uh, Wild Side was really nice. It was me and my friend Mike, and we talked about it a lot. But eventually, I just went over to his house in New Jersey and stayed there with him for like three weeks. And all we did was write stuff. We would just talk about it, write stuff, write more stuff, compare notes, write, 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 eat a little bit, write, sleep for a little while, repeat for That's just... Awesome. It was just a marathon, and I have very fond memories of it. And when we were done, we were like, Ugh! but it was done, and uh, and it got published. And sadly, I remember when the book came out, 
or when I saw it, because it was being laid out when I first went to work for the company full time. I remember being disappointed because the art was not up to snuff. Um, like there's one or there's one or two good pieces in that book, but most of the art in the book is ben, I don't love it. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I only concentrated on the writing in that book because the writing in that okay. book just to me was amazing. It's quintessential. To me, that elevated what a or a role book should be, right? Explaining, explaining exactly, hey, this is what you can do with your special ability, and on top of I that, mean, introducing was... the 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 street level, uh, you know, the the strip, uh, yep. how you buy stuff, how you interact with people, I... and how it. It pertains not only to Night City, but also if you're going to go out off into the world, right? And and how a fixer really works, because you know the whole the, the, the contact big... system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I agree with him completely. It is it's quintessential not just for cyberpunk players, but anybody who's trying to run a dealer type character at all, like in any game, any system. Just the contact system, the the description of life on the streets, like it's it's really must own. And then the, the introduction of like the subclasses. Um, yeah. And then hey, this is what this skill list would work for this particular person. And you you got it from the base book, but I, I think and and that's what I see a lot within role playing games, right? Is like. Oh, here's an example of what you can do. And not a lot of people are, are very creative, right? And a lot of GMs just can't take the time. They don't have the time. It's not that they can't take the time. They just don't have the time to do everything for a campaign or for for a game system, right? Well, I mean, and, and sure. And providing the ability of like, hey, here's 20 subclasses of a career that you can easily slot in. And, and you saw it within um, Live and Direct, right? Um, of just, hey, this is how you change a career and how you create a, a, a sub-career, right? And, and fit them in. Here's the, the skill category that would fit that type of role right and it's and again fixer was kind of a very broad based whereas you really concentrate on specifics and and to me that was yeah. one of the quintessential uh role books that really uh-huh. took my ideas of okay this is what the game can evolve into i'm really I mean, glad to know before, that before wild side Fixers were one of those roles that were just ephemeral. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was why we wanted to like, do it. I mean, most most people thought of fixers as being thieves. Yeah, that, that was that was a, a large portion of the players, and uh, the the special ability was it's it super was, vague. Say, yeah, it's super vague, um, and you tightened that up. You you brought it in and like this is how this works 
Um, well, I, th- thanks. I mean, I, I, I think also part of the impetus for that is that one of the things, like, you know, that sort of didn't always thrill me about cyberpunk, which is a funny thing to say because everything about cyberpunk thrilled me. Um, <laughs> but the game itself really quickly became like the 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 gun nut game uh and i was i'm kind of guilty of that myself so so am i like like, but at the same time you know the the elements of cyberpunk like the the film noir type of stuff and the you know street crime type of stuff and the hustle and the, the 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 wheeling and dealing didn't get as much attention right. as the 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 weapons of war and the killing machines and the you know edge in terms of like how grim dark can you get that I think we wanted to try and just focus you know sort of uh, emphasize at least for a while more of that like uh you know misty night and rain slick pavements and yeah um, and sort of like desperation uh and it, i mean i i know it wasn't like the best-selling supplement for cyberpunk i mean any for any role-playing game the one that has the most toys in it is going to be the one that sells the best and sure. that's that's a chromebook right there um but sort of focusing on the 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 cool the mirror shades you know the nightclubs like that was something that we that just seemed like it hadn't gotten quite as much love as the cool ass guns well it definitely gets love love from us we we pimp out that book as often as possible awesome thank you thank you i really appreciate that any Anytime we talk about, you know, our favorite books, that's always in the top five. Oh, guys. But like I said, it's in my top three. Oh. Yeah. I mean, up there with, you know, (laughs) Night City and uh, Listen Up, You Primitive Screwheads. Those are just... I mean, Night City, that book, that book is astounding. I mean, I remember when I saw it, I was like, I have never seen anything like this. Admittedly, I haven't seen every yeah. role-playing game product ever made, but it blew my mind that it was I mean, so dense and detailed. What? To this day, it's it's one of the best, you know, city source book things that I've ever read. Like it's up there with like Waterdeep or. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was about to say the same thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, and and what the only one that's right? Yeah, it's the only one that is like set in a modern futuristic type setting that comes anywhere close to that level of detail yeah truly amazing i i completely agree i i that map holy cannoli when i saw that i was like this is unbelievable i mean dave ackerman once said that he thought the problem with night city is that it's not cyberpunk enough like (laughs) like his feeling was like basically in, in its structure like if you look at it especially you know the 2020 version it's it's structured pretty much like a city today, which is not a mistake. It's based on San Francisco, very obviously. Right. Yeah. Um, 
but I mean, there's only so much you can put in a book. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I mean, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, and I, while I think that it's a valid criticism, I think it's also a very small issue that's really easily sort of um, ignored. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's an incredible book. That's an absolutely incredible book. Uh, as far as uh, the other part of the question, which was what book, when I worked at Talsorian, do I, you know, feel best about? Uh, I mean, the one that I really, the, the, the ones that I put the most work into weren't for Cyberpunk. It was the Bubblegum Crisis game and uh, Nectanzi. I fucking love those books. Me too. I, I love that anime. I love those books. And I was really heavily involved in both. It's my favorite uh, anime of all time. I mean, by far. It's pretty great. It's not my favorite, yeah. but it, it's way high up there. My favorite is uh, probably Megazone 2-3. I love it, Megazone 2-3. I like, I like part 2 more than I like part 1 or 3. Fair enough. Yeah, part 3 isn't very good. Um, no. I the, watch more anime. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> like this for a while. Me, you know, Ghost in the Shell was just to me the epitome of uh, cyberpunk. Uh, yeah, it's it was. Boring, it is. But, and it's long. And oh, it's okay. I need to see Bubblegum Crisis. Bro. Just, I, yeah, Bubblegum Crisis is great. I've seen Bubblegum Crisis. Um, oh, okay. I mean, like the original eighty police files. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get much police files was not only the best look at cyberpunk cops even more so than robocop yeah. but it was also the best look at cyber psychosis up to that point yeah that's absolutely true um the manga i don't know if you've ever seen the manga of 80 police absolutely it, yeah yeah i think it's great it's uh, so it's so good and of course bubblegum crisis owes a lot to uh, uh streets of fire which to this day i adore as a movie that's it was just telling somebody in the chat that yeah. it's the most perfect representation of what a uh, a Cyberpunk 2020 game, how that's supposed to look when it's being run. Like, all the roles are pre present. Yeah, and yeah. It always seemed to me to be the basis for how those roles were written in the game. It, it may very well have been. I mean, I know Mike, you know, saw the movie and liked it. Um, you know, the only thing it lacks is, like, you know, some futuristic cyberware and, you know, flying cars and stuff. Uh, yeah. Instead, but, I mean, it's like, it is in another time and another place. So. Precisely. The uh, and that's the thing about that's the thing about cyberpunk, you know, the original 2013 book, and then all the rest. I think the th the thing that was just so brilliant was, and I, I don't hear this mentioned very much, but I was struck from the first time I read it how brilliant it was that Mike put in that cyberware is fashionable. Yeah, like, having a mechanical arm is stylish having a corporate logo in your eye is stylish like that was beyond brilliant because especially i think for anyone who's played the game cyberware being not just a thing but a prominent thing that people like was that's like a, I feel like that's almost like de rigueur for true cyberpunk now, but it wasn't before. No, before that, any prosthetics you saw were always treated as these big, ugly things. The only time I ever saw cyberware treated as stylish in a movie up until that point was in Hardware. Yeah, oh, Hardware, of, great movie. And uh, kind of a uh, oh, oh, what's the name? 
Uh, circuitry Man. Yeah, ah, there's also president in Circuitry Man. Oh, fun movie. That movie's a oh, hoot. It's so, so weird. It's so freaking weird. It's really, it's really fun though. It's it's really fun. And the the while we're talking about these movies, the other one that falls into this department for me is uh, Nemesis. Yes. Oh, that's my favorite <laughs> cyberpunk movie of all time. It's the only runner of one. <laughs> I love like, that you're, film. You're, you're pushing my buttons now, buddy. <laughs> well, I think all of us share pretty much the same buttons. <laughs> <laughs> like that uh, is like. That is the most my most watched. I can watch that anytime, anywhere. It's 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 John Woo in a cyberpunk universe. Right, gotta love Albert Pune. That guy is a lunatic. I also I was looking into uh, Olivier Gruner, who's the star of that movie, and because uh, I don't I don't really know much about him. He hasn't been in very many. Like he made a he made several low budget films in the nineties, and then just kind of exactly. He's still around, but now he's like a bodyguard. Yeah. Um, because uh, he's like, a legitimate badass. I mean, he is. He was in like the uh, and, he was in the what the French Foreign Legion or something. I, I don't know. He yeah, was, and I, I talked to Albert Pune once on a on a comic book forum, and I asked him oh. like, why did the why did you go so far off base with the sequels to uh, uh, Nemesis? Yeah, and he's all like, well, I just kind of got tired of casting you know European kickboxers and everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. Well, I mean, he only had Rucker Hauer in, uh, what was that, Omega Doom, Omega which is Doom. basically a yeah. movie. Um, yeah, I, I mean, he's who we owe Jean-Claude Van Damme's entire career to. So true. So true. He, he just passed Definitely away has. very recently, Albert Pune. It's a shame. It, um, it really was. He, he was yeah. really cool. I mean, he created my favorite low-budget uh, sword and sorcery movie with Sword and the Sorcerer. Oh, uh, Yeah. And my favorite cyberpunk movie outside of Blade Runner. Yes, yes. So, the uh, the that's uh, he yeah he he really he really gave us a great amount of entertainment. And I'm, I'm uh, we were lucky to have him. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yes. God! I have a cat. <laughs> I have a cat in front of me. He's climbing on me. Out claws. Okay. I better give the kitty some lovin's. I am. Hang on. Okay, buddy. Okay. Oh, okay. That's better. All right. I'm fine now. Uh, where were we? So, further questions. Uh, were there any books yeah. that you really wanted to put out with Altarsorian that just never got the green light? Well, originally, Firestorm, you probably know this, Firestorm was supposed to be three books. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it would have been nice if it had been. Um, I remember how those came about. It was it was Mike wanted to shake up uh, the you know the 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 cyberpunk world, um, and uh, uh, Chris Williams, who was one of the guys working there, uh, he he said, "I know how you can do that." And Mike was like, "What are you suggesting?" And Chris says, "Blow up the net," and that's what happened. Um, I do think that. A third book would have been good because that would have originally the uh, there's fire there's firestorm stormfront and firestorm shockwave and then the third book yeah. was going to be firestorm aftershocks. Yep. And aftershocks, I mean, I remember seeing it advertised. So right, yeah, okay, that's right, yeah. And that book, I think, would have laid the groundwork for uh, 
a a you know a sequel if you will to, to cyberpunk 2020 that we might have liked more than the 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 v3 that we got i mean it always it, it's always left like a kind of hole in the fans like i've seen several different people try and write their own versions of uh aftershocks i've seen numerous posts being all like well you know what was the resolution to this yeah uh, and, i mean we got it loosely first with v3 and then with red yeah it, it would have been it would have been very nice at the time for that book to have come well i've also seen criticism of and it's one of the examples of cyberpunk <clears throat> but there's other um examples that that these critics have pointed out to is you know of destroying your world right um yeah and and they felt like you know mike kind of you just you had a good world and you blew it up and how how do you recover from blowing up a world it's very hard to try to like piece well, together what you had what that perfect formula was that you were <clears throat> building yeah, it on. Left a lot of people's games in the yeah. lurch and, and yeah how do you I'm, to the point I personally uh like no offense uh but my campaigns just kind of ignore the third cor corporate war because i had other things going on sure i mean i think that's totally legit i you know i i thought it was an interesting uh idea for um, was, a framing device it was bold i'll give it that like it was it was a bold daring move i saw, i actually heard a, a a an aphorism very recently that i'd never heard before but rings super true with me and i'm i'm going to have to paraphrase it because i don't remember the exact phrase i don't know who to attribute it to i think it was uh, a science fiction author a woman whose name escapes me at the moment but Ursula Le Guin, maybe, but I don't think it was her. But I could be wrong. I, the point mm -hmm. is that the, the the phrase is something along the lines of, uh, "I'm really, I God, I wish I could, I had it written down." But the basic idea is, war is the unimaginative way out. Oh, that's good. I like that. Right, like basically. If you're looking for something big and interesting to do, war seems like the thing to do, but it's actually not. And I think that's true. Like, if you look at almost all of the Marvel Comics events that have happened over the past many decades, Civil War was huge. And a it, great was it was, as was Secret Wars. Um, but both of those weren't really wars. They were a, uh, you know, a struggle between two members of the same group, namely, you know, the superhero community. Right. They were failures in diplomacy and that turned into skirmishes. Yeah. An ideological clash, really. Whereas... Yeah most of the events afterwards have been scrolls invade or uh you know symbiotes invade or yeah it's, it's been one giant invade. 
fight scene after another, and it gets really old really quick. And it's it's not that interesting. It's it's right. It's it's, it's, it's similarly with Lord of the Rings. If you read the books, the the these massive battle scenes that the movies are remembered for, like done in two paragraphs. Yeah, they're just like poof. Whereas in the yeah in in the movie they're like oh let's do this huge thing let's like let's dwell on it for a while and it's like eh, not really the best honestly way. I, I prefer the movies uh, I read the books every year growing up nice but uh, the truth is is he'll spend like pages describing a plate of grass on the field of Pelennor <laughs> yes you're and then right. you read these three giant novels and you finally get to the end of the climactic battle and it's over in like two paragraphs like what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I read the books uh, when I was younger as well, and I, I, I loved them. But I mean, I haven't revisited them in a long time. Watched the movies once, but I'm not—I'm not that much of a fantasy guy. I, I think fantasy you know, has very particular uses. I mean, that's—that's that's what I loved about the the actual Lord of the Rings films is there was so many practical effects and like all the props were handmade and all that shit. Yeah, and the Hobbit movies were just fucking awful. Yeah, yeah, they were disappointing for sure. Well, and it's. Know. Still hasn't been an on-screen dragon as good as Dragon Slayer, nineteen eighty-one. Amen. Yes. What was his name? Vermithrax. Yeah, Vermithrax was just the shit. Well, um, we're at our two-hour mark, so I'm afraid we have to end. Uh, Do we have to? We we have to end tonight. We do not have to end for future episodes. So. We definitely love to have you back, Ben. Um, we still have a few more questions <laughs> that uh, we'll ask. Um, and yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm so, we'll I'm so freaking verbose that I just won't. I won't well, I won't shut up. You're not alone. Both me and Derek <laughs> right? ramble. I mean, I'm over here suddenly. Very. I, I lost track of time completely, and now I'm suddenly very depressed. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and and. Just an FYI, Ben, like we do, so we've been doing a episode uh, of two hours of which we review all the 2020 books and we just ramble and we, we go off on various different topics um, when, when we start discussing things. Uh, so Excellent. It's, it's definitely an interesting conversation with me and Derek, um, but we're, it was been a lovely discussion with you um getting some of the the old stuff and understanding who adam smasher is and where he came from which (laughs) i think a lot of the community would love to hear about and i would definitely love to hear more from you um absolutely i mean you uh not to get too fanboy on you but you have been a humongous uh inspiration and influence on me and my games and my writing and like I just owe you a huge debt of gratitude for uh, the works you put out and allowed me to further in my own games so thank you and thank well, you for being hey I listen I'm I am truly honored that you said that it means a lot to me and I really thank you and I've had a, a blast talking to you guys and I would be happy to come on again I just you know I'm uh uh, I'm. It means a tremendous amount to know that people, even now, a bajillion years on, have have good feelings about this stuff that I did. 
yeah, your work has definitely had an impact. And uh, Aww, most definitely. heck, maybe in the future we'll get you and Ross on at the same time. That would be awesome. <laughs> um, or even more of the crew. Um, it, now yeah, that, get, now that we know you're still in contact with uh, Ackerman and uh, Quentin, are we definitely want to mm -hmm. uh, hit you up to uh, so we can get those guys uh, talk about the sure. Anyways. So, sure, I can I can butter them up. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, the goal is to slowly go through all the people I'm in contact with. Um, we're going to get Chris Hawk about on here, I think, at some point. Um, oh, nice. But yeah, uh, this is this has definitely been a high point episode. So. Awesome. Well, thanks. It's been it's certainly been a high high point for me, and I'm 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 honored and flattered to have been invited and i would love to come back when you guys uh you know need me to jaw at you some more awesome. you are always welcome oh, so thanks if you want you know we're gonna do our closing segment if you want to hang out while and talk to us afterwards that's fine um but we're just going to close out the show because two hours i think is a, a lot for uh <clears throat> a a podcast slash video vlog type of thing so we're just gonna right on yeah i think here. rob has something waiting in the wings yes so um okay so, so thank you everyone for joining us and thank you again for for ben to join us um so you can check us out every first and third wednesday of the month at 7 p.m eastern standard time 6 p.m central time and 4 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. <clears throat> uh, G8, GMT, I think, is midnight. Oh. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, somewhere around there. So, anyways. I get confused. So, anyways, yeah. you can check me out. I'm at uh, cybersmiley.net. Um, I have a site that has a bunch of utilities for Cyberpunk 2020, as well as a few utilities for Cyberpunk Red. I got to get back into the groove. Just been too busy running my own games as well as real life, but eventually I'll get back to them. Um, I do have my own uh, Discord server, Cyber Smiley uh, Data Fortress. I also hang out at Cyber Nation Uncensored Data <coughs> Fortress, or not Data Fortress, Cyber <laughs> Cyber Nation Uncensored uh, Discord, uh, as well as a bunch of other discords that you can check out. Um, I also occasionally troll the uh, Reddit sites, so if you see Cyber Smiley posts, that's probably me. I am Wisdom Triple Zero Zero. You can uh, check out my work at Data Fortress Twenty Twenty. Uh, it is the largest, most complete uh, resource for Cyberpunk Twenty Twenty material on the net. Um, you can find me on Facebook at the groups uh, Cyberpunk 2020 or Data Fortress 2020. Uh, I am sometimes on Discord. I'm, I, I lurk on Reddit under the name uh, Data Fortress 2020. And uh, yeah, you can always reach out to us. Uh, give us your questions, comments, complaints, uh, any ideas you have or anything you want to see in the future. Just yep. let us know. Um, we We'd like to, again, we'd like to thank uh, CyberNation Uncensored and Rob Mulligan for hosting us. We'd like to thank Benjamin Wright uh, for joining us this evening. And uh, we'd like to thank you for listening. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And uh, stay tuned for the next episode. We're actually going to have uh, James Hunt uh, talk with us 
talking about uh, Cyberpunk Red. So, appreciate the love. Talk to you guys later.